Hello, and welcome to Hopeful Conversations, brought to you by Robbie's Hope Foundation. I am your host, Kari Eckert. Joining me today is Maddie Freeman, a current student at the University of Colorado in Boulder, studying entrepreneurship and business management. Maddie is a founder of No So November Campaign and focuses a lot of her time as a suicide prevention activist. Maddie, thank you for joining us and welcome to Hopeful Conversations. Thank you so much, Carrie. It's so awesome to be here with you. Okay, let's jump right in. Um, We're going to talk about the social dilemma, uh, 2020 docudrama. 2020 (laughs) feels like a long time ago. Um, From working with the director of the social dilemma to being featured on Insider Magazine, your movement, No So November, has received notable recognition. Can you talk a little bit about the mission of No So November and your personal journey in reducing your usage of social media? That's a great question. Yeah. So the mission of No So November is really, there's two sides to it. So the first side is my goal is to educate young people on the harms of social media and how the business model is actually created around addicting you to the platforms, but also how that can impact your mental health and how that can lead to addiction that sucks all your time out and that can make your depression and anxiety worse. And so I think it's very important for young people to know that. And then the other side of the mission is giving students the option to take action in their individual lives and encouraging them to take a month-long detox from the platforms for the month of November in order to prioritize their mental health and learn what healthy coping mechanisms they can use that isn't just looking at their phone whenever they're feeling uncomfortable. So I think that it's very powerful to work with kids in schools because I think middle schoolers and high schoolers are at the center of this issue and Mm -hmm. and they're at the point of their lives where these platforms are impacting their lives the most. And I think it's really crucial that they are learning about this in school because it's obviously not something that's taught about typically in a classroom, but it's something that invades the fabric of our lives. So I think it's a very important thing to learn about. And it's an important thing to have the choice to, you know, be motivated to take action against and to try to change their relationship with social media. So yeah, that's really the mission of NOSO. And my personal journey has definitely had a lot of ups and downs. I mean, in middle school and high school, I was like ridiculously addicted to social media, especially in high school. Um, and I don't know, we ne- we were exposed to the platforms in early middle school when, Insta, Snapchat. Yeah, when no one really knew much about it, everyone just in about like around seventh grade, all of my peers got Instagram and Snapchat and we were all just kind of posting pictures of us with our friends and overly filtering pictures and just had no idea like... Over filtering? Yeah, it seemed very harmless. And I mean, definitely there was some kind of moments where I felt that this might not be the best thing for me or my peers. Um, Did you feel like you had that recollection as early as like seventh, eighth grade when you were just learning the platforms? Yeah. I mean, I think in around seventh grade was the time that I was struggling really, really bad with my mental health and suicidal ideation. And so I would use the platform to look at things that I don't think I should have been looking at. So I was seeing self-harm content and, really really sad depressing like poems and and pictures of like really pretty like skinny girls like self-harming and 
I remember one of my friends who ended up passing away by suicide was also looking at this content and she self-harmed herself. And I felt like it kind of made the problem a little bit worse. And I remember just feeling like terrified when I looked at those things. But at the same time, I almost felt like I could relate to them and that I wasn't alone in feeling how I was feeling. But at this, I, again, I don't think I should have had access to those things at that age. Um, and so that, that makes me a little upset. And I definitely felt that at that time. I, I so felt, seventh grader, a 13 year yeah, old. Yeah. I felt like yeah. that was inappropriate and, and it was, uh, there was no boundaries around it. So and I suspect kids now are getting their phones earlier and earlier. Yeah. Like it was the norm for you. Are you 21 now, Maddie? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, you were right in the, when everybody got them and parents weren't paying attention um, and yeah. seeing these things. And now kids are, it's younger and younger. Um, I don't want to get like super personal, but I suspect you saw these things on your phone and maybe didn't know what to do. Like, do I talk to my friends about this? Do I talk to my parents about this? Or how do I, um, inter like, am I internalizing this? Those are a lot of yeah. deep thoughts. Totally. And I, yeah, at that age, I was very, I was definitely suppressing a lot of things. And I mm -hmm. think, um, it was, it was very difficult for me to have those conversations. I, I had a personal belief in middle school that I was the only person in the planet that struggled with suicidal thoughts. And I, I believe that from sixth grade to eighth grade. And I, I felt so like, I literally felt like it was almost like an awful superpower. Like I was the only person in the world that felt that way. And, and that scared me. And I, I just had no, and I had supportive parents, but I just had no inclination to talk to anyone because it felt so scary. And so, yeah, like those things didn't help, you know, those things kind of freaked me out. And, and like, I, I saw it make some of my friends self harm when I don't think they would have if they hadn't have seen that content. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was really dark and it was really tough to like be introduced to that at such a young age. And then obviously as high school went along, we got more and more integrated into the platforms and more and more people were using them and it was becoming like a social status thing. It was becoming the norm to post what you were doing and it was the norm to feel very left out about a lot of things because you weren't being invited to certain stuff and like get popularity and everything was about attention. Everyone's posting about what, what they think will get them the most attention. And so I think along the way in high school, I definitely like had some of those little red flags of like, this doesn't feel good. I'm my, I mean, I remember there was a point sophomore year. My mom was like, Maddie, you spend like a lot of time on your phone. I feel like you need to think about that. Like, I think you seem like addicted to your social media. Like you're spending seven hours a day on, on social media. And I don't think that's good. I was like, it's like, everyone's doing that. Shut up. Like, it's fine. And I, I like, I deep down was like, yeah, that is kind of weird. But also I was just like, well, everyone's doing it. So it doesn't really like matter. Like that's just normal. And so, yeah, I really wasn't like awakened to this whole thing until I watched the social dilemma in 2020. And that's what, it's so crazy to me is like, I didn't know any of that stuff that they talked about in the social dilemma. Like, like the algorithm and the true addiction, the business model that they're using. That was the first time I realized that like their goal is to addict you. They're using psychology into their code in order to like keep you on screen. And they're, whether that's like false content or hateful content, it doesn't matter. Like they're literally creating a model of you in order to predict your behavior and like manipulate you and all, all of that stuff made me feel so disgusting like I had like 
the most intense feeling inside of my body when I watched that documentary. And that, and like, that all got very real when they showed the suicide graphs of the point where social media introduced and then the point that we're at now and how drastically exponentially they rose. And they just for- grow together. They just absolutely mimic one another. Yeah. And I just felt that that, that social media was a huge contributor to the mental health crisis that was going on in my, in my community. And I felt like that could be a reason why I lost so many friends at such a young age. And it like hit me to my core. And I, I was crying. I don't really cry during movies. It's kind of hard to make me cry, but I was like sobbing, like feeling like maybe this is it. Maybe like everyone kept asking ourselves, like, why does this keep happening to us? Why does this keep happening to our grade? Like what's going on? Yep. I feel like that could be one of the reasons. And like, it just felt very real. And, and that, that documentary just like, really messed me up in the best way possible it gave me it lit a fire inside of me to to really do something about this and at the time I was already doing work with my old school district Littleton Public Schools to um implement new mental health resources so this was just like a next thing on my on my list I was like we're doing something for social media like we have to and and I actually created no so it's like a pretty small project so it's really cool to see like how big it's grown since then but yeah, the social dilemma was pivotal, pivotal in my experience for sure. So no, so November is no social media November. Yeah, um, about addiction, teaching young people about, and really, I think is could no so November be for any age? It's not just. I mean, we're totally. trying to get into schools, but good thing for most ages because most people, let's face it, have an addiction to their phone. This isn't just a youth problem; it's a societal yeah. problem. I have um, one of my friends' moms participating, and um, the the young seven and nine year olds I was babysitting did it last year. So yeah, all ages are are definitely encouraged for sure. We're just kind of targeting the young, the teenager age group because we think those are the people that most need it. But everyone, yeah, I think everyone could benefit from it for sure. Thank you for being so vulnerable and just being. I uh, I remember watching the social dilemma. I think it was the very beginning of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very powerful. Um, certainly had lost, watched a lot of other films that try to address this topic, right. but um, the social dilemma does it in a different scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember like those executives and they, how they talked about that their kids do not have phones. Um, and, you know, it's not realistic for a young person or for anyone really to not have a phone at this point of 2022, almost mm-hmm. 2023. But how do we do it better together? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad that you've become an activist and you're using your voice. That's what Robbie's Hope is all about, is encouraging young people to use their voice appropriately for good change. Um, so we talked a little bit about Snapchat. Do you feel like that was the uh, platform that had the biggest effect on your mental health? Or, um, you know, maybe today, I mean, there's other platforms. It's constantly changing. Yeah. I would say my entire usage of social media, Instagram was definitely always the most impactful for me. Snapchat was a close second for sure, but I would say that the infinite feed of Instagram was what really got me deep into addiction in high school and I think caused the most pain and issues for sure. Okay. Well, there's always like two sides to every issue. Like they're multifaceted and very, very complex, but certainly um, social media has some good aspects as well. Right. Um, is, is there any that you think are good for young people or that have helped you maintain 
a healthy relationship and take care of your mental health? Yeah. I mean, usually when I present to students, I, I always include a slide acknowledging like social media is crazy and can be so good for you. And so it can be so like, it can connect you to people across the world. Like it can, it's, it's powerful in a good way in a lot of ways, but in my opinion, like the, the bad outweighs the good in this situation, but everything has two sides to it. Everything has good and bad. Yeah. And so yeah, I couldn't agree more with that statement. And um, yeah, I mean like just even, I have one of my closest friends who lives in Germany. I wouldn't be able to communicate with him if I didn't have Snapchat, you know, and like during November, I just can't talk to him, which like sucks. But that's like one example of, of just that, that it's tough to, it's tough because I'm, I'm not trying to paint the picture of like social media is just bad. Like get off it. It's just all bad. But, but I think it's important to acknowledge both sides of that spectrum and how you can balance those things out. And so that's what I've learned through my, um, experience with social media. I still have Snapchat. Um, but I made a lot of decisions along the way through do this is the third year of no so and and taking those month-long breaks has heavily impacted the way i use social media now and, and also the people around me that have done no so as well um like i've changed the way i use the apps i decided to delete instagram twitter um permanently delete my facebook account because i never felt like i was using that anyway um, that's an old people yeah. <laughs> platform. <laughs> yeah, and I never, I never, I had a feeling about TikTok when it became popular that I just didn't feel that it would give me anything more that I wanted in my life. And, and, and everyone was talking about how, like, how addicting it was. And I just had this feeling like before I started no. So I was like, I just don't think I need to download that. So I never got into TikTok. Okay. I'm really grateful for. It sounds like you have really good intuition. I, I like yeah. that. You're able to trust your gut. Definitely. And, and yeah, so I, I've decided to basically only use Instagram and Snapchat, but I deleted the Instagram app. So basically once every two weeks, I check my Instagram. If anyone like reached out to me through my DMs, I do not scroll. And that's all I use it for just in case someone's trying to reach me. And, and every once in a while, if I need to post something, I'll post something like usually it's about no. So, um, that's basically, I completely altered the old Maddie sitting on my Instagram scrolling for six hours to I'm going to check it for 20 seconds once every two weeks. Like that's a huge difference for me. And for Snapchat, like I, I use it to take pictures and communicate with people, but I avoid looking at stories. I avoid reading through all the news articles and I avoid all of the filters. And I just try to use it for the most basic purpose of communication. And that can be difficult, but I found that like using social media for its good purposes can still be effective and useful in your life if you use them in the right way. So that's definitely something that I've learned along the way is like, you can use it in healthy ways. So that's a big, you, you, you touch on so many topics that are just like keywords to taking care of young people's social health and so um, mental well-being. like, yeah. and um, so many young people and old people, all people um, think that like, they're more connected because of their interactions on social media. Right. But really when you get into the research, it shows that we aren't connected. It's yeah. a different type of um, connection when you have face-to-face, -face, when you, um, and communication has changed so much. Like you just said, I still go on Insta to see if anybody DM'd me because mm -hmm. people use it as their form of communication. Um, yeah. Those are tough, tough things. I think, especially for, you know, at the beginning of this conversation, you talked about when you were in seventh grade, 
Mm -hmm. Um, And I know like people think, oh, I have 500 Instagram followers. I have 500 friends. Right. How do we like, how do we get past that? How do we enrich communication and relationship without social media, without social media controlling all of what we do? That's really the question. Yeah. Like I think, I don't know. I mean, that's again, something I've realized too is, is you're building inauthentic connections. You're Snapchatting pictures of your face to people that you would never talk to in the hallway. And like that just, it fills this empty void of little like communications with people and feeling like someone at least cares to like reach out to you. But nine times out of 10, it's not an authentic, like, Hey, how are you doing? Like, do you want to talk or like anything like that? It's just like very, very, the most shallow level of communication. And you can feel really alone. You can have 50 Snapchat messages and feel very alone because it's not, it's not what humans crave as human connection. That's not how we evolved as a species to accept human connection. Like that's not how it works. So it's, it's difficult and it can be. Like, I've had very intense texting conversations with friends, and I felt really good about that. But I think, like, the majority of social media is that shallow connection with other people. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest, that's one of the biggest parts about NOSO is that we strongly, strongly encourage to, like, just reach out to your friends in other ways and explore how it feels to only text, call, FaceTime for a month. And everyone that has done no so has said, like, I'm astounded by how many, like, good conversations I had. I'm astounded by how many, like, old friends I reconnected with genuinely that I got to see in person because I called them instead of Snapchatting them. It gives you another level of communication when you actually speak and hear their voice rather than texting or, like, Snapchatting. And so that's something that people realize is, like, Calling, FaceTiming, and texting just feel better and more authentic than Snapchatting and liking someone's post. And so they've found that, like, that's shown them who their real friends are and who, the, who like, who actually wants to talk to them and wants to engage in conversation with them. And then, obviously, you take that in the real world. We encourage participants to, like, plan a lot of things with their friends and, like, get together and talk in person of how they're dealing with not having social media and, like, plan non-social media little friend dates and all this stuff and it's astounding how much more connected they feel without social media and I think that's really powerful and and I think it's a really big misconception among today's youth that the more friends you have on social media the more friends you have in person you know and that's really yeah that's exactly what I hear like when you're talking about all of this like um I've had to do a lot of personal work after losing Robbie and relationships change and those phone calls and those face-to-face I um, conversations are so, so helpful. Um, yeah. I love the people reach out to me on social media and whatnot as well. But um, I think I have a different perspective now. And I'm just wondering, like you're 21, like has social media um, made us think that we need like buckets and buckets of friends that in reality, like most people can count their good friends on one hand. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Is that a, is that a conception that young people have that I have to have like how many friends five? I mean, it's in the hundreds versus in the mm-hmm. high school. I went to a big high school. Right. Um, 
it's usually we have small friendship groups. Right. Totally. I think it's like increased the connection among people to the point where like you have so many mutual connections and you have so many like mutual friends and like outer group friends and like it's it's yeah it, it feels like you need to have like 50 or 60 friends at all, all at one time and and that can make you really lose sight of who your real friends are and who you need to like prioritize you know so yeah I definitely I can definitely say I think that's a conception that a lot of young people have is like they need to have a ton of people that love them and a ton of people that care about them when when like I don't know yeah and, and I think that's another part of like taking a break is like you think a lot of these people are your friends until you delete snapchat and they will never text you again like they'll probably like never talk to you again if you don't get snapchat back and that feels pretty bad like honestly but it makes you realize who wants to invest effort into you and who's gonna take the time to text you or call you you know so i definitely i mean yeah i think it's i think that's a huge thing for sure doesn't it feel good personally too like when you reach out to someone in an authentic way um, like you, you can see them react. Like I, like you just pick up the phone out of the blue and call somebody for like no reason. Like, yeah. hey, I was just thinking of you. How are you? Versus, yeah, yeah I could have sent them a text or I could have, you know, commented on something on Insta or I'm I'm old. I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> um, those deeper, like real, authentic human connections. Yeah, yeah. I was going through something earlier this week and I was having a tough time and. My friend that I typically just talk to once in a while on Snapchat um, called me. She lives in California and she called me. We talked for two hours on the phone and it. we both were so insanely grateful for that conversation and like feeling that connection to each other again. Like it was, it made both of us cry because it was just like, oh my gosh, like I miss hearing your voice. I miss you and I love you. Like we should talk on the phone more, you know? So totally. I think if you experiment around with that, you'll definitely feel really fulfilled after an authentic conversation rather than 50 inauthentic conversations. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Okay. So given that social media platforms are notoriously used to promote unrealistic social, physical, and lifestyle expectations, have you seen an effect on the habits and mentalities of teens given these expectations? That's a great question. And I think the obvious answer is yes. Um, personally, I have felt that way. I've also seen that in my friends a lot. I I think it gives you almost no hope to reach your ideal life because you don't ever feel like you could live up to Kylie Jenner's life or even just like an influencer who's always on vacations and has a perfect body. Like that's just like, that seems very in reach for a lot of us, but in reality, that's like a one in a million. Like that person is very rare, but the amount that they're shown on social media makes it seem like that's like something you should achieve. And like, it would be easy for you to achieve, but you're just not good enough to get to that point, you know? And I mean, it breaks my heart. One of my closest friends who passed away by suicide was the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. And I would, I would have told you that before she passed away. I'm not saying that because she passed away, but like, I was always so jealous of her. I told her that I, I was like, you are so like perfect. Like you literally are perfect. She thought she was so ugly. She hated herself. She was like pretty skinny. She had like a pretty ideal body type. She thought she was fat. She, she didn't like how she looked. She didn't think her life was good. She had a lot of money. Like her family was wealthy. 
from the outside perspective, she had everything that you would have wanted. She was the most beautiful girl you could imagine seeing, but she completely disagreed with that. And I think that's an extreme example of like, I don't know that many people that feel genuinely like fulfilled about themselves or like their lives. And, and I think that's because like, we're like, even if you are really beautiful and have a good body, like an ideal body type or, or have, have wealth, like you still aren't to the point of like an influencer or to the point of like a famous person that like, again, like Kylie Jenner, that's just like perfect in every way, but they're also using Photoshop. They're also like not their authentic selves. They have like lip injections. They have, they have, they're like changing their bodies with, with like, you know, so it's, it's, it's really hard. And I've seen it, especially in girls. And that's been, that's been documented very well, especially with body dysmorphia. And I, I 100% had body dysmorphia in middle school. I was always looking at Pinterest and seeing like all the whole thing was like the thigh gap challenge. Like if you don't have a thigh gap, you're worthless. And I was, I've always had chubby, chubby thighs. And I did this like month long squat challenge. And it was like, if you do like 50 squats every single day, you will have a thigh gap by the end of the month. And I was so upset when my thighs looked pretty much the same after I did that. And like, it's just, I don't know. It just hurts. It hurts a lot of people. And again, I don't think that was an intended, intended aspect of social media, but it's just what happened. And it's, it's really sad. And everyone compares their lives to, to these perfect curations of other people's lives. And it's really, and psychologically, you can see why that would be so painful, you know? Wow. Ah, you have me kind of, you kind of touch some buttons for me. I, I think of Robbie and how beautiful he was. And certainly, yes, a lot of this does apply to females. We have a lot more female influencers than we do males, but I um, suspect from the outside, Robbie looked absolutely beautiful. He was a athlete. He had a, he was as cute as a button. Um, he was smart. Uh, school was easy for him. Um, and yet he died by suicide and I, um, he never said anything to anyone. His friends didn't know that he was struggling. And like you said, like as a middle schooler, how you felt like, you know, you had this supernatural power thinking about death, thinking about your own death. Um, it's deep, deep stuff that is, um, so hard, so hard as a mom, as a friend, um, like we are worthwhile. We are vulnerable humans. We can be real. Um, and our lives are worth living. Um, we can do good for ourselves and good for others. It's hard. Yeah. Do you have a piece of advice that you would give to a middle schooler or a young person um, that you just think that would be helpful to the Maddie that was in seventh or eighth grade that was becoming so addicted to um, what she thought she needed to be and which. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is tough. I, I think like even when everything in your physical world is telling you that you're not enough and you're not pretty enough and you're not skinny enough, like you have that voice inside of you that feels like you're worth, you're worth anything you put your mind to and that you have, beauty in so many ways that aren't necessarily on the outside that aren't necessarily valued on social media and that I mean even just I don't know even just taking a day off social media I think 
spending some time looking at yourself in the mirror and, and pointing out everything you do like about yourself instead of everything you don't like can be very powerful. Just, I don't know. It's, it's, it makes me sad because I, I want every young girl to, and boy to feel like they're beautiful in, in whatever shape or form their body takes and whatever way that they look and, and that social ideals are simply social constructs. Like the idea that you should be skinny and curvy is literally a social construct. That's not like something that that's real, you know? So just, just find it in you to try to give yourself some positive self-talk and, and look in the mirror and, and identify things you like and focus on that, you know? It's a hard exercise. Have you done it? Do yeah. you do it? Like yeah, to stand in a mirror for a certain period of time and you can only talk to yourself in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, one of my volleyball coaches told me that for every negative thought I have, tell myself three positive thoughts. And I've tried that in that exercise. Cause if you go in the mirror, you'll be like, Oh, but look at like my stomach. And you're like, Oh geez. But then you're like, well, t- what are three things I like? And I'm like, well, I like my hair. I like, you know, whatever. And, and it's good to like, really force yourself like to try to just outweigh that stuff with the positives you know yeah yeah it's hard though it is it is hard it's and also like why do we talk to ourselves in such a negative way versus the way we would talk to a stranger a friend a loved one but we just have a tendency to all that negative is self 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 right uh tough tough stuff and and Uh, that goes back to 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 that social media can have positive um aspects to it i found myself last year looking on pinterest of body positive quotes and body positive ideas and i found so many just like really heartfelt things that women wrote like like you said imagine like saying the things you're saying to yourself to your best friend like you would never say that and like there was poems saying like your body's only ever wanted you to love it and to accept it and to to give like you should like give yourself a hug like your body just wants to feel good in its own skin like you can let it feel that way you know and and so like that's if you still use instagram or something like that unfollow kylie jenner and follow a body positive app like a body positive page like you can you can change the content you're ingesting and that can help you a lot that's good advice very good advice in like november there's so much focus on gratitude um, an opposite of being on social media, like think about what you're grateful for. I, I know that when I am down and out, which I absolutely have my moments, um, I really have to focus on like being grateful for all of the good that there is. Um, yeah. just a mindset shift, which, um, is certainly a learned skill and yeah. not easy. And you have to develop, you have to work on, um, having those tools and resources in your own personal toolbox. That's what we at Robbie's Hope are trying to do for young people. I, um, before we wrap up, I just, I have probably two more questions. I like to have conversations, so it may be more than two. But, um, I, you know, as a young person, you've had success in like bringing some change to schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what advice would you give to a young person there? Like how, wh- why do you think you've had success? Like, is it in your approach? Is it in your ask? Is it in your partnership with adults? Um, yeah. what's worked for you? Yeah. So I think, I mean, in high school, I felt the sense of powerlessness every single day that my administration called all the shots and nothing I felt or or said mattered. And 
it's it's really crazy to feel like just a few years out of high school that I can have that much impact and it it opened my eyes that like we have more power than we think we do and especially when it comes to a topic like social media I think that's where I got lucky like I'm tackling an issue that is my generation's issue it's something that we experienced that like we have a genuine like experience that older people did not experience and so I've found that adults that that believe in the youth voice and that want to amplify the youth voice like you and Maria Maria literally helped me with this whole thing like she is one of my the reasons I have done any of the things I've done and and so yeah partnering with those adults um is so crucial but also like just the fact that I'm tackling an issue that is a youth issue has given I think given me more opportunity to spread change because I think adults are like I guess you're right like we didn't go through that like you do have a little bit more of like a real perspective on it than we do so I think I think with the topic I chose I guess I I got lucky in that in that space but yeah just definitely the message that you have more power than you think you do and that there's so many resources out there that can empower you and like push you down that like push you down like not push you down sorry (laughs) pull you up there's so many resources out there that can really pull you up and and amplify what you're doing and and give you the opportunity to make real change in the world and and once you find those outlets like take advantage of them like i i got into a mindset of like i'm gonna take every opportunity that comes my way like i'm literally just going to do everything that gets offered to me because like just i don't know you have more power than you think and and the more that you invest yourself and your passion into what you believe in the more people that are going to follow and and i think that's true and like in pretty much every space like like if you have a passion you can make change in the world 100 percent. you're very wise for a 21 year old i am so grateful that you have had adults like maria another lost survivor who lost her son about the same time as robbie's death um you have so much positivity to to you and i can just feel it like through the screen here we are just via a screen but um i admire that in you and I, it's going to take you far um, we can, you know, place a lot of blame on everybody else, um, or we can use our experiences for the good for others and for to, in the process, bring ourselves up as well. Thank um, you. That means, that means the world to me, truly. Thank you. So I always wrap up hopeful conversations with um, a universal question for all of my guests. Um, what right now does the world need to hear from Maddie's perspective? <laughs> Like in general or, or about NOSO or whatever you want it to be, Maddie, what does the world need to hear right now? Um, I, I think what comes to mind is a quote from one of my friends who passed away. That is kindness is free and you can sprinkle it everywhere. Kindness does not cost anything. Um, you can on a daily basis, make other people feel worthy and loved and, if you can do that in small ways or in big ways, you will change the world incrementally. And I think that that's the most important thing to move through every day with kindness and, and understanding that you don't know what anyone around you is going through. So just be kind always. I think that's my message of the day. <laughs> that's a great one. A great place to end. Thank you so much. We want to direct people to your website for November. Can you tell us what that website is? Yeah, so if you'd like to join the challenge and take the pledge to log off for the month, there's two options. So really anyone can participate, but 
head to nosonovember.org and click join the challenge and just enter your email and you'll be all signed up. So thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you, Maddie, for joining me today on a hopeful conversation. Be sure to tune into our next episode. And until then, remember, hope, hold on, pain ends. Thank you.